You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the 1960s Reboot Podcast. I'm your host, Maddie D. And today is a very special episode. This is our year-end review. That's right. We go back and we take a look at some of our guests and some of the shows that we've recasted. It's a review of our entire year worth of 60s reboots. First off, I wanted to say that this show is part of the Electronic Media Collective and Down Studios. Considering that this is the review show, we have no guests for this evening. Kick back, relax, and enjoy this wonderful recap of 2019. All right. Well, first up, we have episode one. Episode one was Batman 1966. I decided to take a look at that series because, well, I'm probably the most comfortable with it, and it was my first episode. So I wanted it to... uh, I wanted it to be kind of easy going and easy for me to talk about. So I chose Batman 66. The 1966 Batman TV series. The Batman TV series ran from 1966 to 1968. It was an American live action television show based on the DC comic books. It starred Adam West as Batman and Burt Ward as Robin. Well, that was a fun episode. I got to pick some interesting characters for my Batman and my uh, Robin. In fact, I believe I chose Army Hammer. Here's a quick audio clip. Alright, so the first one we'll tackle is Batman Bruce Wayne, played by Adam West. So you didn't tell the truth. He was able to give his lines without having to change his voice. He exuded the times with a colorful wardrobe and the feel that his Batman was someone who cared for the citizens of Gotham. To capture the same feel and look, I chose Army Hammer as Batman. Army's TV credits include Gossip Girl and Reaper. He's an actor that isn't unfamiliar with the 60s style, as he was in the movie The Man from Uncle. Now, what's nice is that along with taking Batman 66, I also invited some friends to help out on the show, and they sent in a wonderful voicemail. Hi, Matt. Hi, Matt. Hey. Matt D. Matt Dog. Matt Dog. (laughs) Matt D, Matt Dog. Spunky Matt Dog D. This is Randy. This is Jesse. This is Melanie. From the Grolix Podcast. And we're 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 talking to Matt on no, we're talking to Matt's listeners on Matt's 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 podcast. What? This is a flip. Spanking new show. What is it called? His spanking new show. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Did we just name the show? That's awesome. No. Yeah, we did. It's Matt Spankin' New Show. No, it has a name. I just don't remember what it is. Okay, insert name here. Recast the 60s. I'm not editing this. <laughs> <laughs> like, Batman 66 stuck around so long that millennials are still nostalgic for it. Yeah. Uh-huh. But we need to tie into their actual nostalgia period. So it's going to be 80s, early 90s-esque. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we should start with Batman. Who, Batman. Who is Batman? Mm-hmm. 
Not Matt Blanc. Or not, what's his name? Matt LeBlanc. Matt LeBlanc. <laughs> not Matt LeBlanc. <laughs> yes, Joey. That would be epic. Now I want it. Yes. Or Matthew Perry. Oh. Matthew Perry for like, yeah. could I be wearing any more bat clothes? <laughs> was a GCU in the 60s. <laughs> all right. Congratulations on a new podcast. I'm, we're very excited to hear to hear all of it, to hear it all. I'm not going to hear it, but I'm excited for you anyway. Melanie's not excited. I'm excited. I'm not just not going to listen. <laughs> Matt, Matt knows. He's he's listened to our show. He knows. Yeah. He's yeah. not going to be offended. He, likewise, he had to know what this was going to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. He might not have been expecting quite as much, but he he's you're getting the full Grolix. Yep. Oh, yeah. We just slap a Grolix on your show. Matt's listeners. Hey, you like us? You like how we banter? You can hear us at GrawlixPodcast.com. It's G-R-A-W-L-I-X Podcast.com. Because we're not going to go on another show without promoting our stuff. That's just common courtesy. All right. So after Batman, I decided to do episode two on another show that I felt comfortable talking about. And, of course, I had uh, ran into a little fellow that I knew by the name of Jerry. And he decided to help me out on the show. Hey, Jerry, you're a mythical creature that flies off the handle once in a while. Hey, I don't fly off the handle, man. He defends homes from evil spirits and other evil creatures. He is Jerry the Gnome. Yeah, yeah, we did this part already. This is, what, the 15th time? All right, all right. So, um, yeah, thanks for letting me on your podcast and, um, you know, letting me join you here today. Hey, I'm glad you're here. So this was my sophomore episode my second attempt at making a podcast, and I invited a friend along. So, Jerry brought an interesting look to uh, the show, and he chose some rather interesting characters. Lily, a vampirist. That was, hold on a second. That ain't a vampirist. That's a Lady Dracula. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing. I don't, I don't know what you call it, but we call it in the mythical countries, creatures, you know, we call them Lady Draculas. You know, you also got Black Draculas, like that movie Blackula. And uh, let's see, what else we got? We got regular Draculas. We got Lady Draculas. Oh, we got Little Boy Draculas. Uh, that movie, uh, Little Vampire. Remember that movie? Yeah, whatever happened to Jonathan Lipnicki. Anyway, so... Uh, All right, Jerry, I'm going to stop you there and uh, just kind of move along. What do you say we pick our own reboot cast? Jerry, since you're the guest co-host today, would you like to start us off? Oh, sure, sure. Not a problem. So first up is uh, Herman Munster, played by Fred Gwynn. I've always wanted a ham radio set, and now that I've got one, I'm going to listen in on distress signals and notify the authorities and prevent disasters <laughs> and noble things like that. Calling CQ. Calling CQ. Uh, uh, come in, please. Fred was a prolific actor. Some may remember him as the judge in My Cousin Vinny. The two Utes. Oh, Utes. As well as the old man in the first Pet Cemetery. Oh, man, I like that movie. You know, whatever you want to do, don't bury your pet in a Pet Cemetery. Yeah, Jerry, I know. I know. I've seen the movie. All right. So for the modern version, here's who I picked. That great actor from that TV show, Cheers. Now, as we looked at the characters, we, uh, we learned a little bit more about our guest. In fact... He has a weird fascination with a certain actress whose initials are SMG. Play Marilyn Munster. Is it, is it my turn? Can I, can I go? You go ahead. You can, you can go. All right. So uh, Marilyn Munster, originally played by Beverly Owen, 
who unfortunately passed away about uh, about a week ago. Now, Marilyn, dear, do not be downhearted. Someday your prince will come. Again. I hope. In the meantime, just put your beautiful dress right back in your hope chest. That ought to keep it fragrant and lovely. You know, the cedar lining I put in your chest came from the parlor, you know. And we use it to line our forever yours model. <laughs> now, don't you two worry about me. I mean, after all, I'm surrounded with love. Good night. Good night, dear. Good night. She was uh, quite a hottie back in the 60s. But um, you know what? I'm just a dirty old man, so I really don't listen to me. I'm not woke. I'm, uh, I'm a gnome. Gnomes aren't really woke. As you kids these days talk about it, you millennials, and uh, you know I'm like uh, I'm like Clint Eastwood in that one movie, Grand Torino. Get off my lawn! Yeah, that's that's me. And so, you know, if anyone has a problem with what I'm saying, just you know, don't listen. That's all. So um, anyway, where was I? Oh yeah, Marilyn Munster. So my Marilyn Munster would definitely have to be Sarah Michelle Gellar. Yeah, Buffy herself. Yeah, that, that that's who I would pick. Man, she's a pretty blonde that would really fit the bill, and she's a great actress. And, you know, I can't, don't know how many times I've. Okay, Jerry, I'm just going to stop you there because you tend to be. Okay, so after that long ramble with Jerry, uh, we fleshed out a modern day elevator pitch. And this was actually the first real attempt at an elevator pitch on our show, and has now become one of the mainstays. All right. So to go back to the TV series, um, The Munsters was a sitcom set in the 60s, and the main characters were always getting into some kind of antics. So I kind of thought of a really cool episode where um, one of the one of the things throughout the series is that Marilyn uh, was always trying to find a boyfriend. So to bring it up to modern times, I thought, what would be a good way to, to help bring in some comedy into that situation? And how about if Marilyn does like a speed date? Now, I, I think speed dates are still popular because now I'm a happily married man and I don't go out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's available. I, I've seen it. It's, um, yeah, there was in that, that, that movie, uh, uh, 40-Year-Old Virgin. Yeah, speed dating. Totally did that. You should totally check out the gnome speed dating. You know, it's fast, like super fast. Like you get three seconds to say hi to somebody and then you got to move to the next table. Where do you come up with this? That is a terrible idea. Hold on a second. Let me uh, let me finish writing this down because I uh, I gotta say I I think it's a terrible idea. No way am I going to steal that at all from you. All right. So my episode. Um. So there's this thing called gnome dating, and uh, Marilyn like you know decides she wants to hang out with some gnomes. And uh, uh, wait a minute, Jerry. So you're telling me gnome dating? Yeah, yeah, gnome dating. Okay, so this is not at all anything like speed dating. Oh, no, no, gnome dating's a lot faster, and you get to choose more people, and yeah, you know, even the even the girl gnomes have beards, you don't want to get into that. So yeah, so Sarah Michelle Geller and I are hanging out at a at a coffee shop. Whoa, hold on. Are you just doing this for your pure fantasy of Sarah Michelle Geller? No, not at all. I meant to say Marilyn meets a gnome guy and happens to be hanging out at a coffee shop, and uh, they kind of hit it off, and... Then uh, Jerry goes back to meet the monsters and, and craziness ensues and antics. and. All right. Episode three. Episode three was on Hogan's Heroes. And it saw the initial use of a 60s station call out. CBS presents this program in color. 
Unfortunately, I did not continue that as I thought it was a really neat idea. It was also the second solo show that I did. This was also the last time that we used the Quincy Jones Soul Bossa Nova as the main theme song. And of course, without a co-host, I didn't have anyone to bounce ideas off of, so there was not a whole lot of banter and not a whole lot I can go off of. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, let's get the show started. With me today is... Well, just myself. No guest host today. So, you get stuck to hearing my ramblings. However, it was fun to come up with some modern-day actors for the initial characters on Hogan's Heroes. For instance, like Colonel Hogan. Colonel Hogan, played by Bob Crane. Modeling, Schultz. We're going to take out that wall and put in a picture window. That'll give us a sweeping vista to the delousing station. <laughs> then we're going to replace this stuff with some Danish modern. Well, what would you think of provincial? Please, Colonel Hogan! Schultz, how else do we get the tank in? So we can take it apart. The senior raking POW officer, he's the leader of, of our group. He was wily and the main protagonist that helped the Allied forces behind enemy lines. He is a ladies' man, engaging in different relationships with Klink's secretaries, Helga and Hilda, and most of the civilian women he comes into contact with. Now, who would I pick to take in the shoes that Bob Crane did for Colonel Hogan? Well, I can only think of one man who has the same smile, the same hairline, and I would say the same ability to play off like a con man and a wily uh, protagonist. And the guy that I'm thinking of is John Barrowman with Colonel Klink, played by Werner Klimperer. From time to time, as Commandant of Starlock 13, out of my own free will, I bring you news of the war of which you are no longer a part. Things continue to go well for the all-victorious Third Reich. Yes, I know you would wish it otherwise, but it is necessary for you to look at the facts. So, Wilhelm Klink is an old-line Luftwaffe officer of aristocratic Persian descent. And, of course, since this was the last episode I did by myself... Um, it was very heavy on the history of the show and some of the facts. Now that I've picked my cast, let's go ahead and take a look at an episode and see what we can do to try to bring it up to modern day um, audiences. Now, since the series was specifically set in the 40s, we really can't modernize a whole lot of the technology and some of the language. Because we really can't, you know, throw in modern day turns into... 1940s setting, settings. We're not going to see, you know, Colonel Hogan walking around going, hey, hashtag Nazis, destroy them all. Hashtag Axis, beat them up. No. Uh, so we could always try to snazz up a little bit of, of the storyline, maybe make a few more jokes, poke fun at. We'll now move on to episode four, Bewitched. This was the first episode for the Ben Sound theme song that I currently use. This was our first episode where we had a real podcaster as a guest. Bewitched was picked by our guest, Randall Sylvie. Man from Nebraska, the Grawlixer great, Mr. Randall Sylvie. Hi, Matt. How's it going? Good. Thank you for joining me today. Well, I'm I'm ecstatic to be here. This is, it's been a long time. Like I said, it's been 
we've talked about you on Grolix quite a bit. You, uh, you, you've written in and sent voicemails to our podcast for it's at least a year now, two years almost. I want to say, and uh, this is the first time we've actually got to speak. So I'm, I'm, I'm pumped for this. <laughs> that makes two of us. I mean, like I said, it was a great series that both Randall and I were comfortable talking about. The episode was fact-heavy, and I attempted to add a little interesting story of why they switched Darren's. Dick York quit and was replaced by Dick Sargent. Do you All right. Do you have a... I, I'm sure we can get into this more, and I'm not trying to derail, but do you have a preference? A which, 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 which Dick do you prefer? <laughs> um, I like the old Dick, Dick York. Yeah, me too, me too. <laughs> He just looked a little goofier, you know. Yeah, it, it fit. The, he fit the part more, and, and it, I think I don't know. He's the one I think of when I think of Bewitched. Yeah, but I think it got a little long-winded. I tell you what, it was interesting to cast some of these uh, great actors and actresses of today into the series. Let's go ahead and start with our titular okay. character of uh, Samantha Stevens. And since you're our guest tonight, how about you uh, go ahead? Okay. Okay, so we're going to bounce back and forth on these then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> I didn't commit to Okay, so there you're you're going to notice a theme here. I like I have a concept. I have a concept it'll become very clear <laughs> right away. Um but I I only run with it so far. So I think my Samantha would be uh uh Keeman Shipka who is the actress that plays Sabrina in Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Nice. I've been meaning to see that. I haven't seen oh, it yet. I, I mean, I don't... I, if you enjoy... like, It's kind of light, kind of fluffy, a little goofy, but still kind of dark. And really good production. If you like mm-hmm. horror stuff at all, um, you you probably enjoy it. But it's, not, it's also not super scary cool. or anything, but it's got good themes. On top of it all, it was nice to have another person talk about these classic characters rather than just running characters off left and right. Okay. Well, it was kind of, when it came time to decide, uh, as I had told you in messages, I believe, um, so you do 60s Reboot Podcast, and initially when I heard about your podcast, I was super thrilled that you were doing a podcast, but I was a little, I was a little worried you were going to be... Um, boxing yourself into to to uh to yeah <laughs> let me rephrase that uh i was worried you would be boxing yourself in uh because you know i was like well i mean how many 60 shows could there be and i looked it up when i was looking like what show do i want to do there were so many like iconic television shows in the 60s so i was wrong you were right 60s reboot podcast is a good idea um but <laughs> Two that stuck out to me were Bewitched and I Dream of Genie, and basically because I've, you know, being a '60s show, these were on rerun all through like my whole life. You know, uh, it was always on TV as I was growing up, so I, I watched them quite a bit, and I liked the um, the kind of I guess supernatural element to it. Bewitched was cool because she had like witchy powers, and I Dream of Genie was was um, interesting because she had similar but different powers. Um, but ultimately, <laughs> and both shows, 
ultimately I picked these though because uh, they kind of when I just after I graduated out of uh, high school, my first apartment I had I lived by myself. My first pad, my bachelor pad, um, and this is about two thousand two thousand one, and I had no internet. I mean, internet would have been pretty slow at that point anyway. But I had no internet. I had no cable. Just just basic over the air uh, TV channels, and like I do now, I always kept late hours. And there was nothing on at night except for occasionally reruns of I Dream of Jeannie and Bewitched. So these shows always make me think of that time. And it was, I don't know, one of the few late night rerun throwaway uh, programming that I actually enjoyed. Um, so that's why I narrowed it down to these two. And ultimately, Bewitched, because I, I think it appeals to me a little bit more because of the there's no horror aspect to this at all, but it, they're witches. They're witches. It's still got that, like that influence, that hor horror supernatural influence. And I think that's always kind of appealed to me. So nice. It was also great to hear Randall's pick of a Sabrina, Samantha reboot concept. <laughs> all right. So that's our, our, our two modern day, uh, cast picks. Um, now, I went back and I watched some of the, the couple of the episodes and um, I'm sure you, like you said, you've looked at some clips and you know, it, the sixties was definitely mm -hmm. a different time. I mean, some people would say it was the golden age of television. Um, some people say that now is the golden age of television, but I'm not going to get into that, that whole thing. But um, there was definitely a different um, way that televisions were done back then, you know, different morals, different, different, uh, dynamics in the series. So, um, I really didn't think of any episodes to go through and re other than recast, like rewrite, but there was definitely, um, a lot of empty, which like if you want to do it today, you really couldn't do a lot of the, uh, relationship dynamics. It would, I think we'd, we'd have to like totally redo that, the dynamic between Darren mm -hmm. and Samantha. I mean, um, you know, in the series, Samantha, wanted to stop being a witch and become a suburban housewife. And, you know, she was concerned about keeping the house clean and being, getting dinner ready each night and, you know, trying to do that without actually using her magical powers, which got a lot of the, uh, a lot of the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, conflict. A lot of the, the uh -huh. story plot was just from what she could or couldn't do. Modern take, you know, there was the whole women's lib. Everything has, has moved on. You know, we definitely have fewer of the 1960s viewpoint of a housewife. You know, there's now, you know, both people are, you know, have jobs, raising kids, you know, all that stuff. So I think that there's a lot there, but maybe Samantha having, um, you know, a full-time job on top of, you know, helping to raise Tabitha um, and then having the hygiene of trying to find a babysitter mm -hmm during the day or take it to kid daycare, you know, there's a lot there that we could probably mesh and meld and still try to have her not use her magical powers. Um, and so that's kind of what I had for an idea for, for an episode, but I didn't really flesh sure, anything sure. out. Um, I think, I think, I mean, yeah, her not using his, her powers because he doesn't want her to, and her just wanting to be a good housewife and all that. We could kind of scrap that. That's, 
that would get kind of old anyway for setting up conflict. However, I mean, even just normal modern couple uh, living life, even the just the idea of like she wants to use her, she uses her powers or wants to use her hiding her witch life from the real world, the quote unquote real world, the normal world. I mean, even that, that's just enough to like build different conflict out of, I'd think. Um, and then oh, yeah. character yeah. stuff. <laughs> just throw some character yeah. stuff in there. It's Crazy easy. Maybe. Just do it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I <laughs> episode devoted towards character, character development, you know, and then, and the antagonist neighbor comes by with their dog who, you know, peed on the neighbor's lawn. And I think it's, I think it's amazing what sitcoms in general, but especially older sitcoms, how much they can milk a single concept because essentially the show is, that's the, con- that's the conflict for the most part, almost every episode. I mean, there's little differences, but for the most part, they just milk that, that central idea um, for 250 something episodes. Uh, so a modern series, I would think would like when I was approaching it, um, I was thinking maybe slightly darker, but not necessarily darker, but more slightly more serious, still comedic, um, a little bit more in line with some of the shows that do well now where you've got an element of, you know, it's more serialized, a little less, it'll still be kind of sitcoms like where it's a standalone episode for the most part, things reset after each episode, but you know, serialized storytelling to where it's not like everything resets back to normal at the end of the episode so that the next episode starts and you don't have to worry about seeing anything else. Um, you know, move away from that a little bit, but really never go too far to where, you know, I mean, it doesn't have to be like, crazy season-long arcs or anything. All right, episode five, we discussed Gilligan's Island, and we saw the return of Jerry the Gnome. This is Maddie D here. Today, we have a special guest from the fictional land of Gnomeville, our friend, the wonderful, the man of the hour, Jerry the Gnome. Hey, thanks for having me on again. It's great to be here. How are you guys doing today? Um, there's only one of me and one of you, so we're kind of the guys. Right, 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 all right, technicalities. I'm just saying how's it going. It's been a while, like a whole two episodes, maybe three. Hell, what number is this? Episode five, six, ten, twenty-five? Look at me, I'm Tom Brady calling out, calling numbers. All right. Well, Jerry, thanks for coming up join me for the show what do you mean coming up is that a short joke no no it's not a short joke as he talked about this fun series jerry did go off on tangents a lot talking about the show all right all right all right so anyway you uh you put a poll out there on uh, twitter so that all of our audiences all four of them could uh vote on what show to have next and well we got a crazy amount of votes didn't we yeah, a crazy amount of votes. So our big winner for the poll is actually um, the only one that got voted on, Gilligan's Island. That's right, one vote. Thank you, um, well, the one listener. 
like Zsa Zsa Gabor. Don well, not Rickles. only that, Matty D. Did you say Zsa Zsa Gabor? Yeah, I, I did. Oh man, Zsa Zsa Gabor. Man, she was uh she was a bombshell back in the back in the sixties, man. Uh do you ever uh you ever see that uh that uh, show uh Tonight Show with Johnny Carson? Um yeah. Like back when Johnny was alive and Oh man, she had a great spot on there. You look it up on uh at uh TubeUse or uh, whatever you call them on them interwebs, uh YouTube, uh you would buzz tube, uh, I can't remember what they call it. Anyway, uh check out her interview with Johnny Carson. She was uh came in with this cat on her lap and and uh she asked Johnny if she if he wanted to pet her pussy. Okay, hold on. Let's uh let's not get too graphic here. All right. Yeah. Um. Where was I? Oh yeah. So yeah. Ja Ja Gabor. I'll tell you what, Jerry. Let's let's not get into that. Yeah. And he was played by a real funny guy. He liked to party a lot. You know, Bob Denver. Man. He uh he knew what he was doing. I mean, heck, he wrote that that move that uh, song. Uh, you know, Mountain Road, Rock and Road, whatever. You know. Um, Jerry, that was John Denver, and it was, um, uh, Rocky Mountain High and Long Road. Yeah, I, I don't listen to John Denver, but, oh, you get an idea. That was John Denver. He was a musician. Bob Denver was the actor. Right, right, right. Okay, well, anyway. Along with Jerry's return, we also heard Jerry's fascination again with that wonderful actress whose initials are SMG. Um, so we did, we did, oh, that. Yep, got one last one last castaway left. The last of the seven deadly sins. Um now we are with what, Marianne? Or yeah. Okay, so as the theme song goes, um I should say Sail on Shore, this entire desert island, we star uh Professor Ran. Oh, and the rest. Um, don't you mean and Marianne? Ah, whatever. They always screwed her over on the first season. Anyway, Marianne, played by Dawn Wills. Look at this. Ginger, look what I found. Oh, it's some kind of native carving. Well, let's show it to the skipper. I bet he'll know what it is. Wait a minute. This will be our present. <laughs> Great idea. Boy, will he be surprised. <laughs> now, Marianne was the opposite of Ginger. She, uh, she was the innocent girl next door. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I ever tell you about this website called Porn... Hey! No, come on. Focus. Sorry. I was just gonna say, uh, Porno, but, you know, the girl next door, that's a whole category of stuff. Um, Jerry, let's try to keep this clean, okay? Sure, sure. Sorry. Sorry. Um, so, she was the one that, uh, did most of the cooking on the island and often mentioned the chores that she would do on, uh, on the farm. On her Kansas farm, Noel House. Um, she was also uh, both a friend and a foil to Ginger. Uh, oftentimes, she was showing jealousy of uh, the beautiful movie star, which definitely puts her in the uh, Seven Deadly Sins as uh, jealousy. Yep. And we didn't mention any other sins for the other cast, but you can pretty much figure it out because you're a smart listener, aren't you? Um, Jerry, let's not, you know, talk down. Yeah, let's carry on. Alright, alright, so uh, Gilligan often helps Marianne on the island uh, with the day-to-day chores. Many times, as a reward for helping out Marianne, she would bake him a coconut cream pie. Yeah, coconut cream pies. You know, my wife makes a really good coconut cream pie, and you know, 
as I think about it. I think I married Marianne. Hey, uh, look, whatever you and your wife do uh, is between you and her, and uh, we really don't want to hear it. Oh, sorry. Just suddenly hungry for a coconut cream pie. All right, all right. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, focus. You know, you're always telling me to focus. No. Yeah, but, you know, coconut cream pie is really good. Why? In fact, just the other day, my wife made a coconut cream pie. And it was, it was like just the right amount of coconut and the right amount of sweetness. All right, come on, man. Sorry. You're always running off on tangents, can't I? Yeah, all right. Well, look, let's, uh, let's try to wrap this up. We're already punching into like an hour mark. All right, all right. So, um, who'd you pick for your Marianne? Oh, that's easy. So, I wanted to go with somebody that, uh, could both portray class, elegance, and the ability to kick butt. Um, so there's a lot of butt kicking on, uh, on the island. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, you always had the guest, uh, baddie show up. You never know when like, say, oh, a hell mouth might open up in the middle of the island and this huge vampire comes jumping out. Um, Jerry, I'm afraid to ask. I really, really am afraid to ask, but who did you pick for, um, for you? Oh yeah. Well, you know, like I said, if a hell mouth opened up, you'd really want somebody there to be able to kick her butt. And I went with, um, Sarah Michelle Geller. Why am I not surprised? What's wrong with her? Absolutely nothing. She's a great actress. I, I, I really like her. I think she, uh, she could probably do a, a decent role as uh, Marianne. Darn tootin' she can. I mean, come on. She can do anything. We had our first real podcasting plug with Jerry pushing Pod Edit, as well as a shameless plug for our good friends up north, the Roman Podcast. All right, Jerry. Since you're our guest today. How about you start us off? All right, cool. Fantastic. I really like this show. Good old Gilligan's Island. Hold on a second. I gotta take a drink. Hey, you mind passing me that mug? Oh, sure, sure. Here you go. Uh, that's some refreshing beverage you got there. Um, hey, what is this anyway? What do you got this in? The Roman Pod and Cast. What's that? Oh, that's, uh, that's a free mug I got from the Roman Pod and Cast. Um... Yeah, if, listener out there, if you like um, Canadian humor and comedy and, uh, you know, really great jokes about the Great White North, check out the Roman Pod and Cast. I've been listening to them, and they're, they're a really good show. Um, I would definitely give them a five-star review. So if you get a chance, check out iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or the EMC Network for um, the Roman Pod and Cast. And uh, tell them Matty D sent you. All right, well, you got your plug in. Okay, so what's next? Uh, oh, yeah, right. Back to Gilligan's Island. Oh, ships that chore in the horror of this inverted desert oil. Brother Gilligan, the skipper do. The gnome, you know, man, the gnome. The gnome, star. Okay, Jerry, just let's roll on with um our main, you know, it was a lot of fun with Jerry, with his interesting elevator pitch. All right, so picture this. The show would combine uh, Gilligan and uh, Fantasy Island. And uh, so they, uh, the ship sets sail from uh, Hawaii, and there's this huge storm and the whole thing gets tipped over and they land on this island 
And what they don't know is that it's not a deserted island, but it's actually an island that uh, has uh, an old man and a short little guy named uh, Tattoo. But uh, we'll rename him for, we'll call him Jerry. And uh, so Jerry, uh, Jerry pretty much, you know, greets everybody as they wake up on the island. And he's wearing like uh, a three-piece business suit. And he says, hello, um, welcome to Fantasy Gnome Island. You're recasting the entire show. And basically it's a pure fantasy for you and Sarah Michelle Keller. No, not at all. Jerry character is a completely different character than me. Not Jerry the Gnome. Okay, all right, fair enough. Um, that's, that's an interesting take. Um, and now we kick off to episode six with the Green Hornet. A good friend of mine stopped by the studio, and his name is Jesse Kiefer. He's a puppet enthusiast, teacher, and martial artist. A podcaster, a teacher, a cartoonist, a puppet enthusiast. From the Grawlix Podcast, Jesse Kiefer. Hey. Hi. <laughs> hey, Jesse. Thanks for joining me today. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks for having me on. Um, it's been a wild day, but I'm glad to be here. I'm, I'm glad you could be here. Um, so you you have your own podcast with uh, two other people who um, I've had I've had your co-host on my show before. Is there anything that you'd like to tell uh, my audience about your uh, your show? Basically, the Grolix podcast is a comic book related podcast. Um, the The idea behind it when we got started was um, that it needed to be a clean language show because I'm an elementary art teacher. And uh, so in comics, once the uh, comics code authority uh, got involved, they uh they really clamped down on language and violence in comics. And so one of the one of the things that they would use in comic books to make sure that we weren't uh, stepping over the line in terms of language was the Grolix, which was a series of symbols that you'd put in place of uh, the actual swear word. So that's one way that they were able to subvert the comics code uh, and get away with some some uh, characters that were maybe would maybe normally use choice language in an era that wasn't going to accept that. Uh, so yeah, anytime that uh, blue blue language comes out on our show, we we grolics it. He's a huge Bruce Lee fan, and he was great to have on the show to cast and to reboot the Green Hornet. We had a lot of fun talking about Bruce Lee, as well as some of the. <laughs> uh yeah yeah i'm a I've, i'm a martial artist i've been doing martial arts for over 25 years and so uh yeah he's kind of a big deal to me <laughs> uh and uh also i remember yeah you know, like I, I i remember when uh they showed up on batman 66 uh I re when they did the crossover episode uh, with Bat, you know, Batman and Robin meet the Green Hornet and Kato, and uh, and then also like knowing or finding out because I don't think I actually knew at that time that that's who that was that that Bruce Lee is Kato. But I remember that episode thinking, oh, this is cool. There's another like another batch of legitimate crime fighters, just like Adam West. <laughs> <laughs> You know, real hard knocks boys, you know, <laughs> they, can, <laughs> they can really mix it up. 
Totally, totally. <laughs> so, uh, like, that was a really iconic episode. Uh, and then, you know, as I got older and found out more about Bruce Lee and his involvement in that show, you know, I kind of went back and and uh, started to appreciate, you know, even more what Bruce brought to that show because, I, you know, like, even watching just a couple of episodes, you kind of notice early on uh, that when it comes when it comes to fisticuffs, uh, someone's doing most of the heavy lifting in this show. And he had some interesting picks for our main characters, both Brett and Brett Reed, aka the Green Hornet, and his valet driver sidekick, Kato. All right, so the Green Hornet, Brett Reed, was played by Van Williams. Doesn't make sense. You mean the why? I mean the how. Twenty people witnessed a shooting including the district attorney. And not one of them heard a shot or saw a gunfire. Van play, portrays the playboy Britt Reed was a straight shooter and by-the-book businessman. But while his Green Hornet was tough on crime and was acting at being a criminal, man, that all came out wrong. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jesse, so uh, who did you pick for our, uh, our titular character, the Green Hornet? Okay, so my uh, my picks are... I kind of went back and forth on how I wanted to structure the show because there's a little show that happened not all that long ago that had some major outcry called uh, Iron Fist. Mm. Yes. And uh, (laughs) one one of the the major things that people had a problem with in in a modern version of Iron Fist is that uh, they had the opportunity to maybe undo some whitewashing and – and cast someone of, you know, Asian descent in in the uh, the primary role, and uh, and so part of me really wanted to do that with this, you know, like um, instead of making Cato the the driver for the Green Hornet, make uh, make Brit um, maybe you know maybe put him in the lead, um, but I decided not to do that because. I don't know, Cato, Cato being the, the, the driving force of combat um, it is kind of a cornerstone of the Green Hornet. And I think it's because of this 60s series <laughs> that, that it is that, you know, like um, part. So part of me was thinking, oh, man, I can't I can't recast Bruce Lee. I can't do it. <laughs> right. So maybe I should just make Bruce Lee Brit. But that that just felt weird, too. Um, so basically. After I after I muddled through all of that and, and decided to just go straight classic with it and, and let, let people be outraged, um, I decided that I needed somebody that uh, could have those smoldering eyes through the, uh, through the domino mask. Because I think that's, as far as Brit is concerned, that's pretty much what he did, <laughs> <laughs> is the classics. Jesse also had a really cool modern take on the Green Hornet reboot. Uh, a Green Hornet TV series script or storyline or synopsis would be? Um, it's pretty loose, but, uh, you know, I mean, since since a good portion of my cast is kind of CW-esque anyways, uh, or, or straight out of the CW, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, kind of, I kind of envisioned it as, as kind of starting off like, uh, like an Arrow-type uh, situation where it, it's really where he's really blurring the lines of g- good guy, bad guy. You know, like in in the original uh, 60 series, it's 
you know, they, they, I, I don't know. It depends on the episode, but sometimes you just get this, oh, he's a good guy vibe. You know, like, um, I really like the episodes where they, where they dial it up. The fact that, um, the fact that he's supposed to be this quote unquote bad guy. And so that's the track that I would want season one to really take is, is he's running from the cops as much as he's, um, trying to, to stop crimes. So, um, even though he's got his in, you know, even though he's got his, uh, was his captain Lance, <laughs> he's got his captain Lance, <laughs> uh, informant guy, um, you know, he's, he's still doing that. And then kind of the crux of that first season would be kind of the summer Glau character. Uh, and I kind of alluded to my pitch a little bit in, when we were talking about her casting, uh, in that, that first, that first season would probably pit the two of them, uh, against each other, both in and out of the boardroom kind of thing where she's, she's trying to, uh, you know, be a direct competitor to, to Brit's, um, media empire but also seeking to kind of take it over uh whether through legitimate means or not so legitimate means maybe she's the one that employs lo sing um you know once the green hornet has he's he's gotten involved one too many times i need to call in a professional kind of thing you know and then so season one would be all about uh kind of the battles between the two of them uh, you know at the same time they're just trying to fight crimes but like the big bad would be the Sentinel. Awesome. That would be her name. That would be her criminal name is the Sentinel, which the is Sentinel. oddly also the name of her company. So, <laughs> <laughs> or no, no, the Sentinel is his company, isn't it? Yeah, that would be yeah, yeah. yeah. So that'd be, we'll just, yeah, we'll that'd just be more it. fun if you're like, I named my bad guy name after your company, Brit. <laughs> That's why she needs the company because it's yeah. her evil name. <laughs> it's her name, and she can't stand that he has it. After the 60s reboot, uh, episode 6, came a very special announcement. My good friend over at the EMC uh, network, as well as the uh, one of the hosts for the Grolix podcast, and already a guest on my show, Randall Silby, came up with an idea of my show going exclusive on his network. So with his help, and a little editing as well as producing and coming up with an interesting storyline, we created a special announcement, which I'll throw in right here. Somewhere in middle America, sitting in front of his computer and average everyday podcaster is looking at his download numbers and website. Let's see, what can I do to spice up my podcast? Man, I really need to update this website. What you doing, Matty D? Hey, Jerry, didn't see you come in. Man, I'm a magical gnome that pops in and out of a magical realm. How can you not hear the harp strings breaking? I mean, it's called string theory for after all. So like I was said, what are you doing? Uh, I'm looking for ideas to update my podcast and spice things up. Huh. You know, I might be able to help you there. Jerry? Jerry, where'd you go? Hey, Matty D, I'm back. And I think I have an answer to your problem. Jerry? What, 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 what'd you do? 
And what or who is in the sack? Well, I got someone to help you out. And he was looking to do something with his network. What the hell? Where am I? Randall. Oh, man, I'm sorry. I, I didn't know Jerry would do this. We have discussed this before, Jerry. What the devil? Er, sorry. Look, uh, why don't you two talk? I'll get out of your hair and go fight some trolls. That's what I'm good at. Again, Randall, I'm so sorry. I made a mistake of telling Jerry that I was looking to freshen up my website and look at doing something to spice up my podcast. I guess he thought you could help me. What the devil? I was just minding my own business looking at... Or wait, did you say you were looking to modify your podcast? Hmm. Again, Randall, I'm so sorry. I think I can help with that. What? Maybe Jerry was on to something. You're kidding. Okay, so why don't you tell me more? I've been thinking about creating a line of exclusive podcasts for the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network, and I think yours would fit. That sounds cool. I was actually going to email you about it tonight. Really? Yeah. I was thinking we could spice up your website, have your show be exclusively at the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network, and we could come up with some great quality episodes of your podcast. Here, let me sit at that computer and I'll show you. A few minutes later. Wow, that all looks really great. I'm sold. When can we push this out? Whenever you want. Okay, how about, how about now? You got it. Okay. You are now live. Next up, episode seven. Craziest episode that I ever did in audio form of Murray the Mime. That's right. I had a guest in the office, in my studio, sorry, of a mime. Welcome to the 60s Reboot Podcast, the only podcast that reviews and reboots a classic 1960s TV series for today's audience. This show is brought to you by the Electronic Media Collective and Down Studio. I'm your host, Matty D, and today, as a guest, we have Murray the Mime. Hey, Murray, I'm glad you could join me today. Okay, I got a thumbs up for Murray. Now, Murray and I sat down and we reviewed the TV show Bonanza. And we decided to reboot this show because Murray was a big fan of westerns. And you just can't not address some kind of western during the 1960s because it was quite prolific to have a western on TV. So, Murray, why don't you go ahead and show me what's, uh, what show we picked today? Okay, he's holding up an imaginary rifle. He's pointing it. It must be a Western. Um, and now he's holding up a... Oh, he's taking a banana and peeling it. Uh, gun banana... Bonanza! Today's episode's on Bonanza. After about 10 minutes of talking with Murray, I realized that he really didn't have a lot to include in the show. All right, Murray. Well, are you ready to go back in time to the 1960s and recast Bonanza, review the TV show, and find some actors that would do it today. All right, I got another thumbs up for Murray. Okay, first up, the patriarch of the family, Ben Cartwright, as originally played by Lauren Green. That oldest boy of mine, Adam, oh, he's real calm in an emergency. Real calm. You know as well as I that we have Roundup facing us next week, and you talk to me about windmills. Yes, windmills. And you know as well as I that it'll take a miracle to get the water up on that north section. And Fairbanks Windmill might be it. Fairbanks Windmill. 
All this man has is a theory. We know nothing about him or his reputation. Now, you can't leave a shorthanded just to go to talk to a man who's probably a, a crackpot. Crackpot? Yes, crackpot. Okay, Murray. Who do you have for Ben Cartwright? Okay, I have... What? What? What is that? You're holding up a pike? No, not a pike. A fishing pole. And, and you know what? I'm sorry, Murray, but this, this just can't work. Um, this is an audio medium, and you're a mime, and you only do visual things. So, you know what? I think I'm just going to take the rest of the show by myself. Thank you for stopping by, though. Okay? Have a great one. Yep. Yeah, that's not a thumbs up, is it? No, that's a finger. Yeah, I get it. Okay, yeah. All right, see you later, Murray. Next up is the eldest son, Adam Cartwright, as played by Pernell Roberts. And I came up with an interesting premise for a modern-day cast. As I remember right, I think I chose Star Trek's Next Generation's very own Q as Paul Cartwright in Bonanza. Along with choosing John Delancey as Paul Cartwright, I came up with a more modern look at Bonanza. And instead of setting it back in the 1800s, as the original airing of the show had it, I chose to bring it up to modern times. So here's that same pitch. But I'm going to take that one step further. And with the Bonanza TV show, I'm going to set it not in the 1860s, not filmed with the tone of the, of, uh, the 1960s, but set it in 2020, in which the Ponderosa Ranch is still in the Cartwright family, and that this Ben Cartwright is the, like the great-grandson, or great-great-grandson, however many generations from the original one from the 1860s. And he's actually in the same predicament where he's had three different wives. After our wacky Western episode on a wonderful Wednesday night, I decided to go back to the uh, Twitters and the emails, and I asked for the return of Randall Sylvie. That's right. My good friend over at the Grelick Studios had uh, come back for a second shot at our magical minxes as we covered I Dream of Genie. I'm your host, Matt D., and today we have for a guest... The wonderful producer for 60s Reboot, the man from the Grawlicks podcast, Randall Sylvie. Hey, I think part of that title's new since the last time I was on the show. Yes, yes it is. <laughs> it's it's great ha- having you here with, with me today, Randall. I'm, I'm glad you can come back. I'm excited oh. because I feel like I got the perfect genie cast, and I'm also hoping nobody catches on to the fact that I apparently have some type of a 60s magical woman fetish. <laughs> and again that was a fun episode it was nice to bounce back and forth with randall on some of our picks of who would play genie plus it was great to do a new intro with randall as he now had a producer credit on this very show yeah i mean like i said on that last episode i was torn between these were the two that jumped into my mind first and i was torn between bewitched and this one and luckily I, uh, it seems like I get to do both. Yay! So, without burying the lead, um, this episode we're talking about I Dream of Genie. Uh, 
I do say, it was a fun time talking to him about the recast of Barbara Eden and some of the facts to I Dream of Genie. We both went off model with our genie picks, and here's what Randall thought about that. It, I tell you what, reviewing it for, I mean, you know, kind of revisiting it briefly, you know, for this episode, I don't think that it plays the same today as it used to. No, no. We, we can get into that more later. Yeah. All right. So first up in our reboot, we have the main character, Genie. So uh, we'll let you go ahead and go first, Randall. Who did you pick to recast for the uh, role of Genie? Okay. I'm super excited for this because once she popped into my head, I was like, this, it's kind of perfect. Um, it'll also play a little bit into my vision of this, what the show could be. But um, inspired by a lot of people will know her from Parks and Rec, but she's also in lots of other things. And she popped in my head for Jeannie specifically because of her role in Legion. But I'm going to go with Audrey Plaza because I think she's I think she's really weird, <laughs> um, but very interesting. And uh, she's kind of got the eyes and she would the only way I could envision this show working in a modern setting is with somebody like her that could put the right spin on it, the right spin on the fact that she, she calls the guy master all the time. As for modern storylines, uh, we went a little darker on our stories than uh, the 1960s. Uh, Randall had a bit of an O. Henry type ending. And, uh, well, I kind of mentioned carpet bombing, so things get a little crazy. So, okay, here's my idea. We'll start pretty much the same way. Our major Nelson uh, will get stranded on an island, come across a, the genie. Apparently, the genie falls in love with him on this island and then comes back with him, whatever. But, yeah, while I was trying to figure out how do we make this work, she's in love with him. She calls him master all the time because he's... You know, she's a genie and he's her master. So when Audrey Plaza popped into my mind, I was like, that works so well because my take on I Dream of Genie would be, you know, it'll be a little, there'll be maybe some wacky hijinks, but it'll be much more kind of a dark comedy to where she'll still call him master, but Audrey Plaza has such an interesting delivery on like everything she says. To where everything is almost, it's very dry, but it's almost, you can't really trust what she's saying a lot of times, it seems like. Or she's just, like, not really behind it. But also, she's she can do crazy or creepy, stalkery almost, so well. So, I kind of like the idea of where the dynamic is similar to how it was. And she's not, like, you know, inflicting harm. She's still kind of doing his bidding to a point, but there will be a bit of um, obsession to it to where, yeah, she, she loves him, but like, eh, maybe, maybe too much. Maybe it's not a good thing. Maybe she's real creepy <laughs> about, about her, uh, you know, infatuation with this guy. And that'll lead to her granting the wishes, but always in kind of an off way. That's where the hijinks will come from. Like, it doesn't ever really work out quite right. And maybe there's some malicious intent on her behalf there. Um, I just like that idea of kind of the dark take on it. So I'm going to go ahead and plot out the end to where 
you know, as soon as they find out the show's getting canceled, they'll be like, all right, well, let's let's wrap this up then. The end is, depends how you want to look at it. She either wins him over or he caves and uh, goes to, goes to uh, you know, they decide to get together, kiss, and that thus frees her from being a, a genie and enslaves him to the lamp. And now she gets to leave. Then she now he's stuck with the lamp. He, he's a genie now, and she finally achieved her ultimate goal, which was to sucker this guy into switching places so she can now go live a normal life. Boom! Nice. That's my story. I like it. Nice dark indie. People are gonna be upset. Okay, so taking a break from all of our worries today and looking for a unique take on an episode. I went with our first ever commercial break, and I had Paul Harder from Moose's Monster Mash, the very man, Moose himself, joining me to talk about commercials and the products from the 1960s. And to look over those products with me today is from Moose's Monster Mash podcast and the Grawlix Nights podcast as a regular guy, uh, Moose. How's it going? Hey, Moose. Thanks for joining me. How's it going? It's fun to be here. Well, thank you for joining me. Um, it's going pretty good, aside from a few uh, hiccups. So, uh, technology is fun. Yes, it is. So, I tell you what. Let's go ahead and uh, we'll we'll go ahead and dive right in to uh, our commercial break. So, first up is a product that uh, came out in the 1960s. And it was by uh, the National Brewing Company. It was Colt 45. We looked at two, two products, Pop-Tarts and Colt 45, malt liquor. Paul had some interesting insight on the Colt 45 ad campaign, as well as providing a new phrase, urban drink. Hmm. What is an urban drink? Well, Moose, what... What do you think of the commercial The Waiting Man? For the time, it was the nice, classy, you know, malt liquors for, you know, the the upper echelon kind of guy. It, it was the uh, high tier of beer, if you would. Um, the champagne of beers, I guess, would be uh, the, the demographic that they were going for with The Waiting Man. And yeah, it was a fun ad campaign. Yes, I totally agree. I mean, going back and looking at the the commercials, it was kind of neat to see some of the outlandishness that would, that the man was sitting waiting for his beer in. You know, and then post eighties, early nineties, we move into uh, price drop on Colt forty five. We see a boom in uh, like in living color, and it's now an urban drink. It, it went from and. There's nothing wrong with this. I mean, after Colt 45, we went on to talk about Pop-Tarts and the cannibalistic ads of today versus the plain commercials of the 1960s. Interesting how it came up with an ad campaign in the 60s that sounded an awful lot like, well, today's version of Bagel Bites. So the classic 60s commercial for Pop-Tarts had, um, had a family of four to, and doing all kinds of stuff to eat the Pop-Tarts. Do you think that a commercial similar to that would be um, available to sell a product? I know that right now there's plenty of Pop-Tart commercials out there that are animated and... Cannibalistic. Uh, 
<laughs> exactly cannibalistic. The, you know, they had they have um, a cartoon uh, woman who has two pop tarts that are anthropomorphic and driving in a car, and you know, she takes over their GPS and basically has them drive to her picnic table where she winds up eating them. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting way of promoting how to eat anthropomorphic things. So the Pop-Tart commercials nowadays are just kind of creepy. Yes. Yeah, they are. Um, no, the original commercial wouldn't work for Pop-Tarts because much like Colt 45, it's been recycled for another company. Ooh, and what company would that be? Uh, Pizza Bagel Bites. Mm. You know, cause yeah, because when pizza's can, on a bagel, you can have you can pizza eat. at any time. Yep. Now, after our commercial break, we started episode 10 with the Beverly Hillbillies. And to help me out on that show was the co-host to Grolic Cinematic Universe, Jasper Knight. The show is brought to you by the Electronic Media Collective and Downs Studio. I'm your host, Matt D., and today we have a very special guest, all the way from the Grolic Cinematic Universe, one Jasper. Hey, Jasper. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How you been? Not, not too bad. Uh, just fought the flu off, so feeling better. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. That flu, the flu always always sucks getting it this time of year, which, you know, makes it... Yeah. Begs a differ. Do you do you get the flu shot? Uh, I don't. I was told by my doctor that actually I was uh, that at my age at thirty one that I'm not technically supposed to get it. It's like more for young, real, real young, and real old. But I'm I'm not too sure how much I trust my doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Jasper had some interesting ideas as to what characters to pick for the Clampets, and here's a couple of them now. Okay, so. Um, I was thinking about this, and this, this is one of the the one of the names that just popped out to me when I when I thought about it to play Jed was Sam Elliott, who is um, is the dad in, in in the ranch that's on Netflix now, and he was in The Big Lebowski, and he's in a couple other things. But I was like, there is no real other like country guy with, or country kind of backwoodsy guy I would like to see other than Sam Elliott. <laughs> uh, I think he would play great jet <laughs> um, I think she should be a great granny Moses so I went I went like real out there with this one and I picked Betty White um, <laughs> I thought although she's a little bit more subdued actually than the lady that played granny Moses um, yeah I, I'd have to go with Betty White <laughs> Man, I like. Yeah, I tell you what, it was definitely fun talking to Jasper about the Clampets and the Beverly Hillbillies, and the craziness that ensued in the TV show. And of course, come, trying to come up with a new modern take, we discovered a brand new kind of um, way to test for wind cancer. What's wind cancer? You say? Well, listen to this. I think it'd be funny if, like, if it started off like because now in this day and age, like, basically they're far, they had so much land that they sold out to uh, like a wind energy company, and now they have a bunch of windmills, you know, <laughs> and they have to move away, you know, move out because they don't want to live next to all these windmills because they're you know new technology and stuff. <laughs> I think that'd be kind of a cool premise. <laughs> nice. So. Um, oh, even uh, 
Yeah, windmills. Um, maybe like a, a Tesla battery station, and they 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 don't want to be around all the uh, the high powered transmission lines. Right. So yeah, that's that's pretty much what I got for uh, for a, a modern take. Um, and I I, I guess yeah, I I kind of like your windmill idea. I think there'd be a lot of a lot of more hilarity with uh, Granny having to deal with, you know, her her garden blowing over from all the windmill uh, turbulence. She'd be the one that would talk talk the family into moving because of windmill cancer. <laughs> um, windmill cancer. <laughs> yeah, our uh, president said something about too many windmills would give us windmill cancer. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How do you test for windmill cancer? You go out with a windsock and put it up in front of the windmill and it's got like test strips on it. <laughs> okay. Our final episode before our review of the year. And that with the Adams family. I contacted an old friend of mine who uh, was a big fan of the Adams family. In fact, we both at some point in our lives dressed up like Gomez Adams and had our significant others dressed up as Morticia. So I called my good friend Joe B and he came by the studio and we discussed the Adams family. And today with me is my good friend from high school, Joe Blue. Hey, thanks for having me, Matt. All right. Well, today's episode, we're going to reboot a classic 1960s TV series that is quite spooky and kooky and altogether spooky. The Adams Family. Yay. So, Joe, how did you come into the Adams Family? Well, I couldn't tell you what my first Adams Family experience is per se, but I just remember as a kid watching it um, with my family. And it's always a show that I liked, um, that and the Munsters, which I believe you had a show about yes. previously. Yes. Um, so, unfortunately, I won't be able to be a part of that, darn. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the Adams Family is great. And, um I was really excited when you asked me to be a part of this, so thanks for having me. Great. Fantastic. All right. Well, let's dive into the Adams Family. We reviewed the show, came up with some interesting uh, cast of characters and, uh, sorry, cast of actors and actresses. In fact, here's a couple that Joe picked now. Okay. Do you do you want to hear my uh, Morticia that would go with him, or uh, we'll get to that in a minute. What oh, okay. was your What was your older, um, older Gomez? Gomez. Um, I was thinking of uh, Topher Grace from that seventies show. Oh, nice. <laughs> I like Topher. Yeah, I could see him being a, a, a an older Gomez. Adams. I don't, I don't. I didn't think he would actually fit exactly like the uh, the sixties show um, Aston's uh, Gomez, but I think he'd. He'd have a good version of himself, you know. Well, you know, if we if we embrace the um, the '60s look and shot it in black and white, you know, because I mean, uh-huh. all the m- more modern day stuff they, they they're shooting it in color, and so they're kind of like I don't know, giving like makeup effects to make them look. I think that would be an excellent idea. So I, I think they should uh, do a reboot in black and white, or as my son would say, I uh, I had my son and daughter watch an episode of Adam's Family uh, recently, and. My son's like, why is it in gray and white? <laughs> and, uh... and now, our interesting take on a modernization of the Adams Family that hadn't been done before. Being filmed in gray and white. So, um, for my modern idea is that I would actually set it back in the 1960s. 
um, and have it done kind of like, you know, with Stranger Things where everything is, has that day's technology, that day's um, sets and stuff. And it shot in black and white, just using modern day characters. I would definitely look at the history of what happened in the 60s. I mean, we had, um, uh, man, I, I didn't do enough research on, on what happened in the 60s, but, you know, we had, um, you know, the assassination of John F. Kennedy. We had um, the moon landing. The moon landing, yeah. And uh, what I would think would be neat is just kind of seeing, um, you know, history through the Gomez and Morticia's eyes, you know, something like that. You know, I really could. I, I, I think. Uh... After the Adams family sees them landing on the moon, that they're going to build their own rocket and go to the moon themselves. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. or at least Uncle Fester would do that. <laughs> ooh, and ooh, and Pugsley Wednesday could help them. That's right. <laughs> I could see them like um, very much like um, Despicable Me, where they're like in the backyard and there's this huge giant rocket, and Fester's sitting inside of it with uh, you know the, the steampunk goggles and like an open cat cabin or whatever and they fire it off with like a stick of dynamite there you go i, I think it'd take more than one stick of dynamite to reach the moon but you know <laughs> <laughs> I, I do kind of like the idea of having it back um you know taking place in that time period because uh yeah the, the modern technology i don't know if it really adds to stories as much um sometimes uh so yeah not not having the cell phones and like uh, like you mentioned on Stranger Things, like it, you know, they, the kids see something happening, they can't just call each other up and say, "Hey." <laughs> I mean, that's why they have the walkie-talkies and yeah. It, um, it would definitely, yeah, it definitely be a lot neater with with setting it in that that time period. Of course, I guess the the flip side to that coin though would be, you know, is that going to relate to the younger audiences of today? Because you know. A lot of kids, they have all those videos on YouTube. Does yours, does your kid know what a rotary phone is or how to use it? <laughs> true, true. Um, <laughs> Most kids don't. No, they don't. I, I remember thinking that my grandma was old-fashioned because her phone was rotary and we had the push-button phones. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think every kid needs to learn what um, plain old telephone service is at, at school and... Uh, Fax machines, which which are still being used, by the way. Yes. <laughs> and that is the entire year worth of episodes for 2019. I want to thank you for stopping in and listening. And uh, if you can, shoot me an email or check me out on Twitter. I'm at 60s Reboot. And my email address is 60sreboot at gmail.com. You can also find the show at the emcpod.net backslash 60s reboot and check out the other great episodes or the electronic media collective all right well again thank you for listening i look forward to seeing you all in 2020 when we come up with uh, a new format for the show as well as some new tv shows to recast in the 1960s keep an eye out for our special animation episodes spoilers thank you and good night